0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two of the All About Everest podcast, and I'm your host, Pauline Reynolds-Nuttle. On this podcast, you can get anything and everything about Mount Everest, including interviews, book recommendations, tips, updates, and a whole lot more. So welcome to the spring 2023 Everest climbing season. And here we go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast. It has definitely been a minute for a couple of reasons. The first one being is I told you guys last episode that the topic this week was going to be about death on Everest. I talked about it last year during one of the episodes. I can't remember which one. And I've developed a different perspective since last year and it's become more personal. So it was a harder topic for me to address this time around. And every time I would sit down, I'd have to stop because I got really emotional And the second reason why it's been so long, it is so hard to score interviews right now because guess what? Everybody has been on Mount Everest or climbing other peaks in the Himalayas, South America, et cetera. And this is like the climbing season right now. But now that everyone is returning home, I've got a couple interviews lined up and we'll go from there. And I apologize, you might hear my vacuum in the background. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have a killer deal for you. As you guys know, I'm super outdoorsy and I camp over 45 nights a year, which isn't a lot. But it is because I have a family. And one of the ways that I find affordable gear and also discover new things as well is by subscribing to the Nomadic Subscription box. It's a subscription box that comes once a month or quarterly, and it has outdoor gear in it. I have discovered some of the most amazing brands that I absolutely love, and and things that I wouldn't even have tried. I've tried because of my subscription. It starts at twenty nine dollars a month, and you don't have to get the subscription box. If there's something that you love, you can buy it right off of their website. The code to use to get 10% off is Everest and their website is thenomadic.com. That's the nomadic with a K.com. And I'll have a link in this description of this podcast episode. All right, just to get some housekeeping things out of the way, again today's episode is going to be about death and dying on Everest. Next episode is going to be a summary of the spring 2023 season on Mount Everest, including statistics and highlighting some of the climber stories. The episode after that is going to be my personal opinion and a review of the docu series Finding Michael. People have been attempting to reach the summit of Mount Everest since 1922 with George Mallory's first expedition, and it turned deadly very quickly. The first deaths in a summit attempt were in 1922. Seven Nepali from the Sherpa community, they died in an avalanche. And since 1922, there have been 323 deaths. While I was pulling up and researching all of the statistics, I looked at the whole year, not just the spring season, and I looked at both sides. So north, south, east, west. The spring season, there are more deaths than, say, in the fall and winter, But that's because that's the most popular time to attempt the summit. So going back to 1922 with seven deaths, um, there were seven deaths in 1970, 1985, 2004, and 2007. The average deaths on Mount Everest per climbing year is five. When it comes to talking about death and dying on Mount Everest, my narrative and my opinions have changed since I've been doing this podcast. Last year, I started it as a passion project because everything about Mount Everest fascinates me, as well as the triumphs, the tragedies, but really the people behind Mount Everest is what truly intrigues me. They have something that I don't. Mount Everest isn't something that I will ever be able to climb. The closest I'll get is Everest Base Camp. But since I've been doing this podcast, it's gotten more personal because if it's the people I've interviewed, if it's the people that I've chatted with or talked to or really closely followed their stories in the last year, more than ever, it's not just a mountain. It's actual people. And I've had this conversation with a couple of the people that I've interviewed and some close mountaineering friends, my friend Bob in particular. And we've talked about how the likelihood of these people perishing, if not on Mount Everest, than in some of the other mountains. And it's such a dark thought, right? That these people that I know, something horrible could happen to them. And they're absolutely aware of it. I'm not new to death. I come from Israel, right? And back in the day, You know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had horrible terrorist attacks and people were dying all the time. You know, I I lost a lot of friends to terrorist attacks, uh, been into myself. And so death is not something I'm scared of or is unknown to me. But with Everest, it's different with the mountaineering community. It just doesn't feel the same, right? And the more I get to know these people, there's this thought in the back of my head that keeps telling me, you know, you're going to get close to these people. You're going to know who they are behind the pictures and the headlines. And chances are you may lose some of them. The death of Noel Hanna, I think, was what tipped it for me. And I was really hard to get back into the podcast because I had a couple emails into Noel to try to get an interview. And I know he was really busy because this is the spring climbing season, right? And a friend of mine and also Jason Black and I, we had talked about Noel and all of his achievements, especially being the first. Irish mountaineer to summit Mount Everest. He had summited 10 different times, and Mount Everest was not the mountain that he died on. It was actually Annapurna, which does have a higher death rate than Mount Everest. And it's extremely dangerous because of the avalanches. And it wasn't even an avalanche or a fall that he died from, he died at Camp 4 in the death zone. And so trying to get back into this has been really hard because it's one degree of separation, right? I have several friends that know him extremely well and knowing that they're in pain. And again, it's only one degree, right? So what happens next season or the season after that? And so emotionally, I had to bring myself back. Because even though Everest is this amazing, magnificent thing, right, there's a really dark side to it. I mean, if you look at all the documentaries, the books, the movies, a lot of them, they deal with death because that is the reality on Mount Everest. People have been attempting to reach the summit of Mount Everest since 1922 with george mallory's first expedition and it turned deadly very quickly the first deaths in a summit attempt were in 1922 seven nepali from the sherpa community they died in an avalanche and since 1922 there have been 323 deaths. While I was pulling up and researching all of the statistics, I looked at the whole year, not just the spring season, and I looked at both sides. So north, south, east, west. The spring season, there are more deaths than, say, in the fall and winter, But that's because that's the most popular time to attempt the summit. So going back to 1922 with seven deaths, um, there were seven deaths in 1970, 1985, 2004, and 2007. The average deaths on Mount Everest per climbing year is five. The deadliest season on Mount Everest was in 2015 when there was the avalanche at base camp and 18 people died. The next highest death toll was in 2014 when 16 people from the Sherpa community, the high altitude porters, died in an ice avalanche in the Khumbu ice fell. We then have 1996, that was the year of the Everest disaster, when 11 people died in the span of 24 hours. And after that, we have 2019 and 1982, each of those have 11 deaths those years. Uh, 2012 and 1988, there were 10 deaths each year, and then in 2013, there were a total of nine deaths. So, that is a lot of people who have died on Mount Everest. There are over 200 bodies left on the mountain. Even though in the last couple of years, they've been trying to bring those uh, remains down and there have been recovery attempts. It's extremely expensive to bring down someone's remains because it can cost between fifty to $70,000 and you're also putting other people at risk. So, depending on where someone dies on the mountain, it could be easier or harder to remove their body. If they're left on the mountain, a lot of the times people will move their remains, um, put th- push them into a crevasse, bury them. It just really depends. The spring climbing season on Mount Everest is winding down. And already it has become one of the deadliest years. Eleven people have died so far on Mount Everest. And there are three climbers who are missing. Uh, the Malaysian climber, Hawari bin Hashim. And the Indian-Singaporean climber, Srinivas Sanis de Tatre, are still missing. And it's been... Almost a week. The Hungarian climber, Suhajda Gillard, I hope I pronounced his name right, uh, has been missing. They believe that they have located him at about 8,780 meters just below the Hillary steps. A team did find him and they were able to identify him. He showed signs of life. However, he had significant frostbite and he appeared to be suffering from high altitude sickness. So what they're going to do in the next 24 hours is they're going to try to locate him by helicopter. And they're also sending up a Sherpa team but they haven't located those other two climbers. So as of right now, the other years that had 11 deaths was 2006. That was the year that David Sharp died and has become one of the most controversial years when it comes to talking about ethics, because so many people had passed David Sharp and many Questioned why they weren't able to save him. Why didn't they bring him down? And I did talk about that in a previous episode. And the other year with 11 deaths was in 2019. If you remember, there was the viral photo taken by Nims Day that showed the whole Conga line of people in. Their multicolored suits just back to back all the way up the mountain. So, so far this climbing season, there have been 11 deaths, and the first ones occurred on April 12th Tenjing Sherpa, Lakpa Sherpa, and Badur Sherpa. They were all in the icefall when a Serac fell on them. On May 1st, The American physician, Jonathan Sugarman, he died at Camp 2. He had been having issues beforehand, but he had felt well enough to acclimatize even more. On May 16th, Purba Sherpa passed away near the Yellow Band, just above Camp 3. He was part of the Nepal Army Mountain Cleanup Campaign. They're working really hard to clean up. Sagarmatha, Chumalongma, Mount Everest, whatever, however you call it, um, and it's a huge thing what they're doing because there's so much trash on the mountain. On May seventeenth, Victor Brinza from Moldova, he died at the South Pole. On May eighteenth, uh, Zubin Chen from China. He died near the South Summit. On May 20th, the Malaysian mountaineer Ag Askingar Bin Empuan Yakub he died just above the South Summit. And on May 21st, Jason Bernard Kennison from Australia, he died near the Balcony. And then on May 23rd and Cami Sherpa, who was a camp cook at camp two, he died on May 18th. um, The Indian climber, Suzanne Leopoldina Jesus, she died in Lukla. So she had been sick for quite some time at EBC and she just, as much as she wanted to attempt to climb Mount Everest She was just too sick and they had to literally force her to evacuate to Lukla where she died. All right, let's talk about the causes of death on Mount Everest. So the leading cause of death on Mount Everest is avalanches. At least 78 people have died in an avalanche. It happens not just on Mount Everest. It happens a lot in the mountains, in the backcountry. My husband and I lost a friend a couple of years ago who was snowmobiling, and he did everything that he should. He had all the right gear. He had the pillow, the beacon, everything, and the avalanche just swept him away. And he didn't die from being buried by the avalanche. He died by blunt force trauma because the avalanche had swept him into a tree. Uh, The next highest cause of death is acute mountain sickness. We talk about high altitude sickness, cerebral edema, and 72 people have died from that. The third leading cause of death on Mount Everest is exhaustion. You know, you try as hard as you can, and sometimes you just cannot continue. Especially like if you've gone all the way to the summit, you're on your way back down, you've used up all of your juice, all of your energy, you've run out of oxygen, and there's just nothing left in the tank. Um, Other illnesses, at at 27 deaths, Um, This could include heart attacks, strokes, things like that, and exposure is 26. And I know you guys are like, wait a second, that's not 323. And no, it's not. There have been multiple deaths on Mount Everest that the cause of death is unknown. A really good example is Andy Harris's death in 1996. He was there, other team members saw him, and then he was gone. So there are several that they just don't know their cause of death because either nobody witnessed it or they haven't been able to find them, which does happen. That's kind of the reality of death on the mountain. Out of the 323 deaths on Mount Everest, 125 of them have been Sherpas, and the other 198 have been climbers and Westerners that are not from the Sherpa community. Again, that is a lot of deaths, but the majority of them are coming from from Nepal. 125 Nepalese that have died summoning Mount Everest. That is a third of the deaths on Mount Everest. The two most deadliest areas on Mount Everest are the Kumbu Ice Fell and the Death Zone. The Kumbu Ice Fell It's extremely dangerous because the ice is always moving. There's very deep crevasses. But the biggest risk there is these huge Siroc's, these huge chunks of ice that can fall on you. And that happened this year. The very first deaths happened because of a Siroc falling. And then you have 2014 when one big ice rack killed 16 from the Nepalese community. My son often describes to people what a Seraq is. He thinks it's cool that he knows this fancy word. He's only seven. And he says, it's the size of our house. And imagine a huge block of ice as big as a building just collapses on you. And then the reason why so many people die in the death zone, which is, again, anything over 8,000 meters, a lot of it is after they've already summited and they're on their way down, they're so exhausted, they may have run out of oxygen, their bodies are just starting to break down, and even, and, and this is real, like, eat themselves. Um, so imagine you've used all your fuel, there's nothing left and you just can't get back down. And that's one of the things that a lot of people discuss is, you know, if you can make it to the top, are you going to be able to get back down? And in 1996, which is a great example all of those people, the majority of those people who died, they had summited. They had reached the top of Mount Everest, and they they just couldn't make it. They just couldn't continue back down. They got lost. They died from exposure. They died from the horrible weather. Um, if they'd had more reserves in their tank, they may... Have not perished up there. As I said earlier, a lot of attempts are being made to instead of leaving people on the mountain that have died, to bring them back down. And a lot of it has to do with how the mountain has just become overrun with stuff that should not be there, including dead bodies, pieces of tents, human waste things like that. And if you want to get an idea of that conversation that these climbers have with their families on EllenArnett.com, he every single year he says have that conversation and he really goes in depth but in the book Naked at the Knife Edge by Vivian James Rigney, he really goes into detail, like the piece of paper that he was given listing like how much it's going to cost and what can, can happen to his body if they're able to retrieve it. Because not only is it extremely expensive if they can find you. It's also putting other people at risk. So if it were me and I were to die on Mount Everest, I would just want to be left there. A, because it's doing something that I love. B, I don't want to risk other people's lives in closure for my family because maybe I had that conversation with them and see the amount of money that it would cost to retrieve my body. It's just too much. Now, again, I don't believe I will ever attempt to summit Mount Everest because I don't have that, oh, that, that factor. I don't know if it's a gene, if it's a type of energy, if it's a personality trait. Um, but if I were to attempt Mount Everest... That's what I would want. I would want to just be left there. Push me into a big hole. I'm totally fine with that. I think that would be the best thing. But again, you know, people pay, people have insurance. There's a reason why they have the insurance. And unfortunately, part of it is body retrieval. Again, that book that really gets into detail, Naked at the Knife Edge by Vivian James Rigney. It came out last year. It's a fantastic book, but that was one of the key things that kind of hit me. I believe it's in the very first chapter. And uh, he's given this piece of paper that says, Well, if you die at this elevation, then this will happen. And this is how much it will cost. And if you die at this elevation, this is what will happen, and this is what it will cost. And if you die in the death zone, this is what will happen, and you'll be left there. What a hard podcast episode. I can't believe that this one was so hard for me to get into. Last year, it was easy, but this year, it was just heavy. It really, really weighed on me. So the 2023 season is coming to an end. There are three missing climbers currently on Mount Everest. And I am sending prayers, prayers to them, to their families, to those who are trying to find them and bring them back. I hope that everything turns out for the best. And you never know, miracles, they can happen, right? The climber, Anurag Malu, he fell, and for three days, he was deep down in a crevasse on Annapurna, and they thought it was a retrieval mission. They didn't realize that he was still alive, and it was actually going to be a rescue. Three days in the cold, in the dark. He was hypothermic, frostbite, barely alive, but they were able to rescue him. Look at Beck Weathers, again, from 1996. It's just a good reference because of everything that happened. Beck Weathers left for dead. They thought he was gone, and yet somehow he made it back. So, again, Miracles can happen. Next episode is going to be a recap of the 2023 season. And the episode after that will be my review and my opinion and thoughts on the docuseries of Finding Michael. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, follow. You can find us on social media, all about Everest podcast or my other channels, which is mama bear outdoors. You guys have a good rest of your week until next time.